Hello, and welcome to Metachemistry. This is episode 25. In today's episode, the gang is all here, and we're going to do a retrospective on the year of N4. Yeah, that's right. We're going to look at the last year of with the N4 rollout and the new iteration of the game and how it has played out over the course of a year. You look back on the year, and there was a pandemic that burst on the scene, ascended, seemed to die off, then flared back up, killing all tournament play for a good portion of the globe. There was a failed kind of laughable insurrection. And of course, Nate picked up, dropped, picked up, dropped, and picked up and dropped at least six side games in the course of the year. So, I mean, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Can't we say that? It's, it's not a drop. It's a cycle. It's totally different. <laughs> so, before we get into all of that, Let's take a moment to thank Mythic Games for sponsoring the podcast. Mo Games is an online supplier of all things Infinity. As part of its sponsorship of Metachemistry, Mo will be providing a discount code to its store available to all our patrons, as well as a $40 gift card that will be raffled off to our community once a month. Make sure to like our Facebook page and join our Discord to ensure you are entered to win. What's better than games? Mo Games. So let's check in with our lineup for today's episode. It st- starts off with the venerable Nate Berg. Nathan, what's going on, my man? Uh, apparently I'm picking up and dropping games left and right. What's new? Uh, nothing. <laughs> nothing is new. <laughs> yeah, well... Well, I will say this, Nate. When we were first prepping for this podcast, you had been saving up your all your mojo for N4. You had abstained from N3 for a good long period. You were saving yourself for your new bride. How'd that turn out for you? Uh, I mean, Battletech Alpha Strike was really good, and I'm glad I saved myself for it. <laughs> yes. Chastity, that's what I always think of when it comes to Nathan Berg. And for the other member of our podcasts, how about you, Devin? What's going on? Yeah, mostly I've just been trying out some new stuff. I've been playing some O12, both vanilla and Spermata flavors, and that's been fun. And I had a, well, I've had Steel Phalanx because I picked them up as they came out. And they were on solid resin bases that were not easy enough for me to want to magnetize. So I've been rebasing those. I stripped those because that paint job is really old. I'd like to do something new with them. So they're bare metal right now, but they're on new bases. They're magnetized to go in my case. And I'm looking forward to putting them on the table very soon. Yeah, that's a big deal. I'm curious what you think N4, how N4 has treated Steel Phalanx as you're preparing to roll those guys out. It's really interesting because they were one of the one of the sectorals that were delayed from the initial N4 update. And when it actually landed for them a month or two later, I forget exactly how long, but uh, they came out of it pretty nicely, I think, at least on paper. I haven't really gotten a chance to try it yet, of course, but I like some of the changes. They really kind of uh, added a breath of fresh air to some of those profiles. And yeah, there's definitely lots of fun units to pick from. And I like that they've 
they still have a very distinct feel on the table, I think. But they're, they definitely feel like they've gotten that update that they needed. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good time. Curious, uh, just off the top of your head, could you rattle off five of your favorite new profiles? Um, Atalanta's a standout. She's super fun because uh, she's just very different from how the rest of uh, Steel Phalanx tends to play. Um, Ackman jumped up quite a bit. He's really interesting. He picked up an extra wound and got tactical awareness and wild card, so he's got all kinds of flexibility. Um, Andromeda, which we've talked about plenty. Like, she's a huge standout in the edition. Just total makeover from N3 to N4. Andromeda's just in a whole different universe from where she used to be at the turn of the before the turn of the edition. Um, let's see, Ajax. Ajax got even better. Um, I love Ajax. Uh, I wasn't counting, but I feel like that's close. Good job. All right, let's move on to you, Ian. You are also on the podcast for tonight. I'm curious uh, how you're doing and what you're thinking about, especially as we begin this topic of re- revisiting N4 over the last year. I'm also just excited for getting to look back at well, a little over a year of N4 as well as a year of the last tournament season and now we're into a new tournament season so uh, there's a little switch up going on with that but um, yeah just kind of looking forward to going through some of the, the feelings that we've got on the system uh, at this point in its lifespan good so um, I'll start us off. I thought we would just basically hit some high points of N4 in the last year. Uh, maybe then visit uh, the topic of were, were there things that we wished we could have seen uh, that we feel like CB missed on, and then what we're finally we can talk about what we're anticipating for this next year. Um, I know I'm our perpetual optimist. I've never gone through a change in a addition of a game before. And, um, I have to say, I'm pretty pleased with how this edition came out. I have had a ton of fun playing it and I just felt like things got cleaned up quite a bit. So I know I tend to lean heavy on the positivity, but it was a fun year for me, especially getting to really go hard at some tournaments and feeling like I finally got the results I was looking for. So, uh, for my, Perspective N4 was a big win, but I'm curious what you guys thought, how you guys think about it. So, how about we'll start with you, Nate? What did you, what did, what did you think of this iteration? Um, it was definitely a smaller set of changes than like N2 to N3, but I think it cleans up a lot of stuff. I think it was, it's a pretty smooth transition if you were in the N3 to. Uh, if you played N3, I think it's a pretty smooth transition. Uh, I think that it's a easier rule set for a new player to get into. It doesn't have quite as much uh, like memorization requirement that N3 did. And I think a lot of the rules are a little easier to understand in N4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I might be wrong about this, but... I've heard people say that um, it's rare that you get a 
game system deliver on a new iteration or a new edition as cleanly as N4 did versus N3. Would you say that that's a, is that overstatement or do you think that's fair? I think that's fair. Yeah. All right, Devin, my man, what did you, what is, what is one of your big kind of takeaways or thoughts on this last, um, this last year? Yeah, I think a big one for me was the, the focus on more elite units or generalized elite play, partially because of the order or the uh, order generating trooper cap. But also because of the crit change, it really goes a long way in incentivizing troops that I like to play with. So having having some of those heavy hitters, and you know, knowing that they're not going to uh, die to a you know a bad dice roll or two usually goes a long way. Uh, so you really feel like you get your points out of some of those high end units, which has been a lot of fun for me. I really enjoy that a lot. That I can. You know, take those elite units and, you know, because some games before, I mean, they're like, oh, well, there's two crits on that order. And uh, so I'm down to one structure left and I'll go ahead. That shouldn't happen again, right? <laughs> take a shot and then down goes the, the tag or the Sura or, you know, whatever big bad, you know, just to kind of some fluke dice rolls. So I think that's that's cool because armor always felt like it was a fairly expensive stat. So now it feels like you're really getting the value out of that. Um, and I don't think crits feel as bad anymore both ways. Like rarely do you, or rarely have I experienced at least, you know, going around tables and somebody just looking dejected and saying, oh yeah, I just got completely crit off the table. Uh, because there's that extra interactivity with you still rolling dice. So I think that helped the game a lot. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting that the crit mechanic was somewhat controversial for some people, and yet um, I think very early on in the new in the new edition, it became clear that it just didn't feel as big of a deal as you normally like. You just didn't hear many people say I got crit off the table, or that was an excuse that popped up as much. Or when it did pop up inside, you kind of said, "Well, did you really? You still rolled." some dice didn't you so i do think uh i do think that was one of the biggest changes in the mechanics of the game and by and large i'm 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 content with it there was a lot of fear that it was super swingy that you could potentially go down to two armor saves as uh with a two wound troop but i don't know about you guys but anecdotally that i don't know if that ever happened to me i've i've had it happen uh I remember I was trying out a, a Yadu core because I wanted to, you know, have a heavy infantry pain train like thing in my OSS. And, uh, but yeah, I know that happened a couple times, even just in that one game <laughs> where it's like, oh, I got crit in a row. Oh, I failed both saves. That models off the table. Uh, but yeah, I would say in the scope of the last year of playing, it's pretty minor. Like I could probably count on one hand the number of instances where it took out a two-wound trooper where in the previous edition that wouldn't have been possible. It's pretty mm -hmm. rare for me. Yeah. 
All right. How about you, Ian? You do you do you have any big takeaways or big observations from this last year and your experience playing in for? Yeah. So the um, kind of big takeaways that I've gotten from the last year and doing a couple of big tournaments and just talking with a lot of people is that uh, the majority of the sky is falling reactions to the early parts of N four were completely unfounded. The 15 order cap, um, most people have gotten jumped right in on it and, you know, adjusted their play style and their list to uh, take some more elite models so that, you know, the uh, more horde style armies like Ariadna and Hawk are generally tending to do fairly well from what I've seen. And, uh, you know, a lot of the other aspects of it uh, that seemed like they would be a big deal, like, you know, the crit mechanic. Um, have not been and has actually seemed to be kind of healthy for the game and the meta as a whole. Uh, and I've been seeing a ton of new players coming in that, you know, we haven't seen before. I think there actually may be more people playing this now than possibly ever in the past, uh, just because the game has become more accessible. That's good. Um, how about this uh, for you guys? Big, your biggest um positive about the n4 like what did you like the most about it ian what was your favorite thing about this new edition the 15 order cap yeah so flesh that out like why is that why did that feel like such a big deal to you um so it felt like it's such a big deal and the reason i liked it so much was that in the past you know, and, and I'm going to preface this, I, I am primarily an Ariadna player. So this is me and as an Ariadna player, which is considered a horde army in the past, saying that the 15 order cap was a good thing. And I personally didn't feel it affected how I played and built my lists a lot because I was already kind of geared into that kind of realm. But as far as the rest of the meta, um, I, I feel like it encouraged more elite armies, you know, your, your Pano, especially things like military orders and, you know, Yu Ching with, you know, even, um, invincible army that since you did have this upper limit that a lot of players are taking some less elite profiles and trying to max out those orders. Cause that is a resource. But then conversely, you know, the Horde armies, the Ariadnas, the Hawks, the different things around that, no longer able to take, you know, 30 model, five-point models and flood the board with orders. Now, granted, those generally weren't very quality, but a lot of them were impetuous. And so they had double activations, uh, If you're especially if you're playing Vanilla or Caledonia with William Wallace and turning all of them regular, there was a lot of order efficiency that came out of that, even though the troops themselves weren't that uh, great in quality. And it meant that those turns would take forever. They were not particularly fun to play against. And to the point that um, I've heard several players refer to those kinds of lists as the fun sponge because they just take the fun out of the game. And honestly, I tried playing some of those lists a couple times, and they weren't even fun for me as the person playing them. It was just, it was a, a hassle more than anything. So the 15-order cap just really kind of consolidated and streamlined 
everything and you know it, it forced horde players to reevaluate and you know look at some of their more elite profiles or look at more expensive profiles on the cheap troopers which i think really have come into their own uh with some of the other changes that they've gotten and then more elite players have been looking at you know all this other stuff so it's just shaken up the list building aspect of quite a bit in my opinion yeah totally um nathan what do you feel like cb got right with n4 uh, dumping all of the useless extra hacking programs and just totally. keeping the stuff that you only use anyway. Yeah, totally. That, I mean, that was a huge one, right? Yep. The implication of that being in N3, especially like, especially a newer player would always ask like, well, what, what program should I be using? Or, and you have to go through different things like, well, this one's got burst. This one's got breaker this one's got you don't have to do any of that anymore like mm-hmm. there's one program that does the thing against your target it's easy to pick you just do it uh it makes the game go so much faster there was so much slowdown over picking a, a hacking program and like oh i need to know what your stats are and then i look at my stats to see you know which one of these programs is more ideal and now it's just it's very streamlined very clear very quick yeah it's one of those experiences examples of less being more right streaming it back brought hacking way back into the game yeah uh it's it's fun and it doesn't take a ton of brain surgery to figure out what you're doing now Mm -hmm. good stuff uh devin your favorite aspect of n4 what did cb get right in your opinion Uh, well i've already talked about the crit change and how that kind of encourages the use of higher end models because you're not afraid of them getting picked up due to just bad luck. But um, other than that, I think how that they, how they've rearranged skills and equipment, denesting items, uh, how they're laid out on the profile and that all of these things are modular. It gives a lot more levers to actually design troop profiles because you don't have to worry about, Oh, well, we've given such and such trooper martial arts, which means that they have to have courage and they have to have stealth uh, or, you know, whatever other combination of things. Uh, The fact that that's all broken apart makes the profiles a little bit easier for newer players to understand uh, because it's a lot more explicit. And also that there's direct modifiers on skills or equipment, like with... uh, like with Nate talking about hacking, you know, you have profiles that say, oh, you can add this program or you can add an extra burst to this program or extra damage to that program or whatever the case may be without needing to make entirely new programs. Because before in N3, there wasn't any, those levers didn't exist that way. So you would have had to have written a new program. So, okay, well now this unit has a slightly better version of the thing that everybody else uses, but you still have to keep track because you have both options, things like that. So I think denesting, denesting skills and equipment, I think that'll open a lot of space up as the addition continues and as they add new profiles, and which we've already seen just from the profiles that they've revamped for the for this edition. But I think that's a really good change overall, and is a, gives a lot more freedom for making those profiles. Yeah. So I'm on record um, ha- having said even w- when we began the 
this podcast that I really liked playing, loved playing N3, but I like N4 more. And I think it's hard for me to really pinpoint it all. You guys have done a really good job of highlighting a few of the different characteristics that I think make N4 more compelling to me. If I had to like say one thing that I really thought Corvus Belly did right was they somehow reined in some of the prevailing knowledge and brought the full scope of the game back into picture. And it's kind of picking backing on what Nate was saying about hacking. I love that hacking's back in the game. And and not just back in the game, but back in the game in a big way. It's a viable strategy if you want to go down that road. I love the fact that heavy infantry and even more particular tags mm-hmm. are not just a, a meme, but like a real viable way of being competitive. I love the fact that it's not just burst as king anymore, but the 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 variety of weaponry that you have flexibility now is king the ability to adjust on the fly and adapt to context um seems to be back i think um martial arts and close combat uh i feel like that has a factor in the game way more than i remember it being in n3 so anyways my point is motorcycles even they might even be back in the game now we'll see right but my my point is that like they they did a good job of like highlighting all the aspects the cool aspects of this game that sometimes got shunned or avoided for the sake of being competitive and i i hope to see that continue so but it can't all just be rosebuds and perfume and sweet things sometimes we got to talk about where opportunities were missed so Devin, could you start us off if you were to look back on m4 what's your biggest disappointment or a thing you wish you'd like to have seen from cb what opportunity did they maybe pass on that you would have liked to have seen them pick up uh that's a tough one because I don't think there's anything that immediately jumps out at me as being a huge problem in the game. I I think that it would more, for me anyway, boil down to things that like would be nice. I don't think that there's anything that is, you know, just wildly miss the mark or, you know, ruin the game for me or anything along those lines. How about you chime in on your take on ITS and, and how they do that since you didn't get to do the podcast. I guess the main standout for me is probably uh, the first new ITS season um, for Frozen Roads, like season 13. I I'm not a fan. I I don't really like what's been done with it. I think that it's making too large of changes simultaneously. Uh, you know, I I don't like how inequitously the bonuses are distributed amongst factions like previous edition you know previous seasons there'd be bonuses to things that are much more widely available in fact every faction would have say medium infantry to take advantage of the forward deployment you, you they may not necessarily be the best units in that faction especially 
at the time where they had lower movement values in N3 uh, when that season was around. But everybody had them, and people were talking about ways they could better utilize those troops because that option made them more appealing. But I feel like there's too big of a bonus for bikes this season. And I think that so few factions, like not even just sectorials, but just overall factions of the game, at least half of them can't even participate just on an overall vanilla level, discounting the the motorized bounty hunter, which is just, it feels like a stopgap. And it's just a way that, okay, you can pick up this model, which you definitely want because it's going to be completely free and you'll be handicapping yourself if you don't take it. But other than that one exception, in some missions that it's allotted, um, it's just so difficult to see the effects of those. And I think that, you know, stacking so many different buffs on a unit type uh, all at once is probably not the best way that that could have been implemented. But yeah, I think so the, the ITS season, I guess, would be the weakest part of N4 so far for me. Like I said in the past. So would you boil down your critique as you're okay with how they structure the ITS system uh, seasons in general, but you felt like there was a bit of overreach with this particular iteration and you would have liked to have seen some more caution or judicious changes? I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, they're really large changes to how they, how motorcycles work especially compared to previous ITS changes. And so few factions can actually take advantage of it. Like It supercharges a couple sectorials in the game. And the vast majority of the rest don't even get to participate in that realm, except in some missions where they get allotted a basic biker. And so yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that. I I would prefer that these things be done in a way that everyone gets to meaningfully participate. Uh, and I don't think they need to be huge changes. Like if it had just been the terrain total, um, you know, and maybe the impetuous option, maybe that would have been that probably would have been more than enough. Even the terrain total would have been fairly equivalent to previous seasons. Um. But yeah, I think it was too much and affecting too few armies. It it feels like some sort of interim balance patch instead of a season feature, which I don't like. Yeah. Like okay. If, if we think there's a problem with the profiles, we can change the profiles because we can always change them back. That's kind of the point of having the the living army builder and you know a modifiable rule system that they can change kind of at will. For sure. Okay, how about you, Nathan? Uh, missed opportunity on CB's part, or things that you're not a, the biggest fan of with this um, new edition? Uh, you know, I think I just mostly have good things to say about the new edition. Uh, obviously, the newest season of ITS, uh, I tend to agree with most of Devin's points, but we don't need to rehash that again. Uh, just mostly, it's it's a good edition. It feels clean. It's fun to play i'm i don't have much to say about them missing something i more i feel like i'm missing like the big event mm. 
they used to have like just build up and hype for events and and interesting things and i like i haven't really seen that like they have this pattern of here's a two-player box but there's no hype behind it other than mm. i love these models and i want to buy them uh i want to i love i'd love to see some like storyline hype and i don't give a sh- crap about weird board games that are semi infinity you know tangential to it mm-hmm. that doesn't doesn't do anything for me at all uh so i would like to see them come back and like put some attention into into infinity or infinity fantasy i'd like that too but uh, i right. just i, I want to see some like big events thing i want to see them put some attention into that rather than these uh you know side piece board games that they keep making uh cuz i like i want to play competitive ITS uh not a board game yeah i think that's a really good like when i think back on this last year i can't really think of a standout campaign or a standout release um or just pop at home uh, so I, I, I've been talking to some other people, and one of the points that was mentioned to me is that that Infinity feels like it's on cruise control. Uh, you get your two-player box, you get some new releases every month, but there's there there doesn't seem to be much uh, attention and hype to Infinity now that N4 is kind of out. Like N4 was like the last big hype thing was that, and then everything else has just been kind of like here's our autopilot, uh, and it seems like this is how they make their money but the board games seem to be like where their focus and attention is. Uh, and as a basically purely infinity player uh, from CB games, uh, that that's a little disappointing to me, but even then looks like uh, they're the game is in a pretty good spot. So it's a, I had to dig deep for that complaint. Yeah, that's a, I think that's fair. Um, Ian, you've, you got a chance here to swing at, what the missed opportunities do you have anything yeah Kara curry should be vulnerable to em missed opportunity cb it's a robot it should be vulnerable to em it's true <laughs> it's true <laughs> okay mic drop right there <laughs> are they vulnerable to it in the book though i don't i don't remember I mean, I believe they are, additionally to the fact that the Japanese generally have a little bit lower level of tech than the rest of No, I mean, I mean did. where the Karakuri came from out of that uh, uh, Altered Carbon, like the second or third book. Oh, I mean, I don't know, but it's a robot that has three structure and total immunity. It should have, be vulnerable to EM. Vulnerability they're is a pretty, they're pretty good. Very they're pretty good. Yeah. Vulnerability is a very underutilized skill. In fact, only off the top of my head, only the dog warrior style models have a vulnerability, and it's a vulnerability to viral because that's part of their background. But there's an entire skill that's utilized on one specific type of trooper, and it's. I think that there should be a few more things that, you know, have total immunity that should have a vulnerability to something kind of in the background. And Kara Curry is the biggest one that pops to mind because it's a robot. EM messes with robots. EM messes with literally every other thing in the game that has technological aspects to it, except for Kara Curry. They should be vulnerable it's to somehow EM. so hardened against EM that it doesn't work, but it can still be hacked somehow. Yeah. 
with that sweet yeah. BTS of three, it just ignores EM templates. <laughs> BTS six. Is it six? Oh, that's right. Yes, it is six. But either way, it, it doesn't even six. have to It can just walk through EM mines and total immunity turns them off. Yes. It's dumb. Yeah. But somehow, because hacking is a comms attack, you can isolate them that way because total immunity does not affect comms attacks. Right, it, right. It's a weird thing that I think that vulnerability to EM brings it all in line and just makes it make sense with what else they can be done to them. But that's my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Okay. All right. So for mine, I would say if I were to pick something I feel like CB missed on, it's just the, you guys are going to, I, you're probably going to totally disagree with me on this, but I'm a little bit disappointed in just the proliferation of wild card and other kinds of like hodgepodgey core and links and all, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I've, I've been in the game long enough where I remember when a line trooper linked was felt like a good tool. Um, and, and now with the amount of, uh, HMGs that can just on heavy infantry platforms that can get thrown in with a bunch of cheap troops, it just feels too one note to me. And I, w- I would like if they're going to do wild card, it needs to be characterful and not cheap. And it can't be like this big super gun. I, I like the, I liked how line infantry had a real place in the game in sectorials. And in, in vanilla, they were always order monkeys. And I feel like in sectorials, they've become order monkeys also just now they're linked. So I th- I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with me on that, but I miss I miss those days. I miss the clarity of those um, links and what they could have been. I think I think there's a great opportunity here, though, with that because uh, I tend I tend to agree with you. Um, I think with fire teams being their own document, I think that there's a very easy way to kind of hot fix this and just put that information into the the document for fire teams and say like, Oh, you can only have one wild card or, you know, so on. And there's a way to differentiate certain sectorals to say, uh, maybe Kapu is allowed to have two wild cards in every link because specifically to them, they do, they train that way or something to, to make a sectoral not be the same as every other one, uh, to allow different types and styles. Uh, But I, I definitely think, Packing in the wild cards is uh, I don't I don't want to say damaging to the game. I think it's to me it's just kind of annoying. Yeah, it felt lazy to me. I guess. Yeah, it's you know the the five man fusilier defensive link team is is a bit boring, and I think that with counts as and wild card, a three man fusilier with two of those options in it is is far more interesting without being buck wild. Uh, but I mean, I've, I've built some that are, I have one, uh, one normal troop and the rest of them are wild cards or add-ins. And, and that, that to me seems a bit, a bit much for, for building fire teams. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that that could be toned down a little or reworked Mm -hmm. or re-looked at without, without like rebuilding 
all of N4 with just kind of a s- simple hot fix in the uh, in that document. Yeah, the the rules annex I think does need to be revisited because that includes the fire team rules and Barrowware. Uh those are the main ones anyway off the top of my head. But yeah. That I like some of the fun things that you can do with wildcard and counts as I, I feel like there's not enough of an appreciable difference between those two things that being counts as and being wildcard are almost identical, except for if the link is broken and needing to reform it, which is a, I mean, yes, it can come up, but it feels like throughout the game, it doesn't make an actual difference very often at all. Uh, so yeah, I agree that revisiting fire teams would be nice. I don't know exactly how I would change them necessarily, but it would be nice to get a revamp on those. I feel like that's still that document is still basically an N3 holdover. Um, and it feels like it needs yeah. to be updated. Like Fairware, Fairware can leave the game. I think we're I think we're ready for that. I think we can just take the equivalent equipment and give it to troops with that Pharaohware. Like, Endgame doesn't really need to exist. There's not a good reason for that. And, okay, Erasers are gone. Those units now have Jammers. White, uh, not White Noise, uh, Mirrorball. Mirrorball's gone. Those units have Eclipse Grenades or similar. Like, it's just, it feels like holdover rules that just haven't been addressed yet. And I think that's probably the next major point for the addition is seeing what happens with that document and how that gets fully implemented into N4 going forward. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Mm -hmm. So as we kind of forecast towards the next year, uh, it might be helpful to just take stock on how you guys individually have seen the meta change over this last year. What has the evolution looked like to you and if you were to take stock on what you're seeing now and trying to guess at where, where it's all headed, um, take a stab at, at that. Ian, do you want to start us off with that question? Sure. Uh, what I've seen is a proliferation of troop types that were rarely taken before, especially in any kind of numbers. And that's a lot of, you know, two wound models, heavy infantry, tags and uh hackers or you know people always took hackers but like a lot of hackers and the reason that i'm seeing these more often is that with the changes there's a lot more survivability because crits aren't just putting a model directly off the table uh it's the crits aren't ignoring armor entirely so people feel like you know they're getting their their points worth out of models with heavier armor and so they're playing with a lot more of those. Uh, this has also increased the value of taking troopers that have AP ammo in order to counter that. Because that was something that a lot of people, you know, didn't take a lot of AP weaponry before because they didn't feel like they got a lot of value out of it. You know, yeah, it worked against the one or two things, but if your opponents were never taking those things, why are you going to take AP? So, you know, DA was king. Now, I'm not saying that DA has dropped down in the stats because I still see people use that quite a lot. But, you know, if you have a multi-weapon and your choice is, you know, AP or DA against something and 
that DA is still going to come into play on lower armor stuff, but you know, against higher armor things where that AP now is actually of a good benefit, I'm seeing that getting chosen a lot more often. And I think it's opened up a lot of the kind of the choice and the tactical uh, experience because these different things that were undervalued and not taken are now very good and lots of people are experimenting with how to play with those items. It's good. How about you, Devin? Yeah, I think as far as stuff that I have been seeing of late, um, I would agree with Ian. I think a lot of it tends to be a focus on higher end troops. And, uh, and I think that's really cool. Like to me, that's a lot of what's interesting about the game is those higher end profiles is where you see that's, that's where the extra cool stuff is. Like there's something to be said for having, you know, the cheap warband underdog do something cool in a game, but I really like seeing, you know, powerful heavy infantry models or more tags. Like I've seen more tags on the table this year than the last eight or nine years I've played Infinity combined. Yeah. Most of that was from Utah. But but yeah, I mean, that's really cool to see those models because there's a lot of really awesome looking tag models. They have really cool profiles. It's great to see those sorts of things. Um, As far as things moving forward, I think that... I think that a lot of that is probably going to be focused around how we deal with these higher end threats, not just load up on AP in your list, uh, whereas you wouldn't take AP before. Uh, More like, how are we deploying? What types of defensive pieces do we use? Um, Where are we placing models? Because you see a a lot of null deployments not always, but that's a very common thing. Oh, well, active turn is just so overwhelmingly powerful that if I put up anything in ARO, it's just going to die. Well, that's that's something that's very dangerous. I know, Andrew, you exploit all the time in terms of, like, okay, well, these are things that can dig out turtled deployments, things that are very defensive, things that are just kind of hiding as opposed to being defensive, I suppose. And I think that is probably where I'm expecting to see the game change is where there's more equilibrium between the attack and defense instead of I'm going to try and waste all your orders by hiding completely. It's going to be, oh, you can get to me so quickly. There's so many tools available that you can attack me immediately that that's not really viable. How do I defend against those things? And I think uh, improving deployment and having a better mind towards some defensive utility in your army, I think those will become more prevalent as we go along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely stole some of my thunder. I'll get to it in a moment, but I think you're right on there, Devin. Uh, Nate, how about you? What do you forecast for the next year in the meta? What are you seeing in the meta now, and where is it headed? Um, I think up to now, we have seen uh, people kind of skipping through different armies. I don't know. I think I would say. Uh, I think people walked into N4 going, I'm going to play this faction. Saw how N4 kind of shakes out and went, 
uh, you know, maybe I'll try a different faction. Um, at least locally, I've seen a lot of faction hopping. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily know that it's more than usual, but it, 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 may, it I think it seemed more usual, more than usual to me. Um, in the future, I think that uh, we're gonna have figuring out how to deal with tags is probably a big one. Uh, the the super hacking net army didn't ever really materialize. Uh, it's still it's still good, but it like it didn't like become this prevailing you know dominant meta choice. Uh, and and in, in all honesty, I think tag heavy is it will probably be a a, a serious meta thing. Like it was at. Uh, the Krug with, you know, Utah bringing like double and triple tag lists. I've heard some things about tags being maybe overcompensated, like they may be too good now. Um, I think that remains to be seen. Uh, I think tags are in a really good spot right now, so they're very playable. But I th still think they have a lot of the same old weaknesses that they always had. Um, so like I, I, I have a hard time deciding what I think I'm going to see in, in this next coming year because I dislike this season so much. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what we're going to see in the next year is uh, bikes being better and a bunch of missions that are the same missions that they've always been only with a, a new cool terrain rule and a free bounty hunter. Um, and I, I think that's actually one of the more disappointing things to me is that we're not going to see change and growth as much as I think that I would like to. Yeah. I thought um, your insight on what the missed opportunity that CB had regarding mission lineup and mission builds from last episode was really insightful and opened my eyes to what could have been with this season, this upcoming season. And I, I'll, I'll admit, I, after our conversation, I I went back and I thought, yeah, I do think they're they're missing a chance here, um, with with so much fan support, so much involvement with the community. I mean, we're watching people spend hundreds of hours building out TTS um, platforms for not just Infinity but their board games as a selling like. They've empowered the community to do all these other parts, and yet um, there, that's untapped potential for mission, mission lineups and, and the, uh, evolving the storyline. I thought that that's one thing I do wish. I wish we had a way to reach out and communicate that to the... Hey, I think it, that kind of harkens back to the, I think that they're on cruise control with Infinity. They're just and Infinity's doing its thing. They're just letting it ride, because um, I think it would take effort to let a community build missions for you. Because there's a ton of play testing. You can't just let Devin make any old mission. You have to play test it. You got to make sure it's going to work. Uh, it has true. to fit into the way we play ITS right now. Uh, so it would take a lot of effort, and I think that their attention is not with that at the moment. Uh, so maybe when we get the attention back and when they develop the new ITS season, uh, maybe they will listen to this podcast or they will hear somebody else who says it uh, because they, they do tend to listen to their community fairly well. Um, 
and and maybe we'll get some more of what we would like to see in new missions and new new things to do in the game. Yeah. Yep. Narrative play would be really cool to add to that list. Like some sort of ongoing campaign like kind of Deadless Falls is still there, but I feel like there's just so much snowball potential with how it's written. Kind of the same thing with Paradiso. So it'd be nice to have with something. With the ice season, it the snowball, that's good. I like that. <laughs> uh, but um, bump. All right. So uh, with my last offering here on where I th- see the meta and how uh, it's shifted and where it's headed, I want to piggyback on what Devin was kind of uh, wrapping up on, which is, yeah, there's a lot of talk out there right now about null deployment as a thing. I, I, I know that I saw that early on in N4 as a as a tactic that was being used and quickly was adapting to that. And I would like to just recommend or suggest, I think that's a mistake um, in going forward. I think we need to develop skills for limited ARO, not, not looking down into the deployment zone, but knowing how to shut down movement. Because I think this game is fundamentally about movement and placing and positioning. And so the faster this game gets, the more important that's going to become. And if we thought that is getting faster uh, this last year, now that we've got bikes and all this other stuff going on, you're not going to be able to get away with null deploying. And so you need to develop and define for yourself how you're going to contest the board uh, without exposing your troops to needless... uh, needless uh, risk you need to still preserve your orders so deployment becomes a big deal uh limited aros and i would say if you aren't thinking about how you're going to deal with a tag or heavy infantry or hard aro that's sitting and looking at dominating the board if you don't have a tool for how to deal with that you're going to have a tough time because the game has changed um and you cannot just crit stuff off the table anymore. Yeah, so that would be where I would encourage our listeners to begin to pursue is thinking about deployment skills, thinking about movement, thinking about speed, thinking about positioning, and um, push yourself beyond your conventional understanding of how to play this game and learn to learn to hit every hit someone from all, all different kinds of angles and vectors. Flexibility is king. Um, okay, so I feel like that we're in a good place to begin wrapping things up. Um, so I just encourage you guys to begin thinking about your final thoughts. But before we get to those, we want to remind you, our listeners, of Patreon. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Not only does it help us out, but it grants you a number of benefits. And uh, 100% of any funds that we get, we put right back in the podcast. So find a link to our Patreon page in the show notes, as well as you'll find a link to our Discord channel. And speaking of our Discord, come join our growing community. Super supportive of everything Infinity. We do love this game. And we um, are very much interested in creating a positive and thought-provoking learning community who likes to play the game competitively. So join us on Discord. With that said, Devin, Ian, Nathan, what are your final thoughts? Let's start with Devin. 
Yeah, I think just looking back on the first year of N4, I think that it's been overall a great change for the game. I like a lot of the streamlining that's happened. I like that there's almost always some opportunity for you to react to something going on. Like very few times in the game are there going to be situations where you just can't do something, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, I like the general trend of being able to to play all the extra cool units that I like to play. And um, I think it's fun to to run those sorts of things and to see more of that across the table and to see things that didn't really show up last edition. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that the game's in a good spot. Uh, there's more that I'd like to see, like Nate was saying. But yeah, I think I think it's a great addition for people to jump on board with. It's been a lot of fun to play thus far, and uh, I think it's going to continue to be that way. Good. How about Ian? Final thoughts? Yeah, I'm just uh, excited to see where it goes over the next year, and you know any uh, you know changes and stuff that'll pop up. You know, there's been a couple of FAQs out already, and you know they've done some some changes here and there, just further tweaking and streamlining stuff. So. Hopefully they'll uh, at least do one of those, if not a full revamp for the uh, rules annex. And other than that, I think it's just been a rather positive addition change for the community as a whole. Getting tons of new people in and uh, getting them up to speed and more and more uh, capable of playing competitively. It's just been really good for everyone. So super excited about that and seeing that continue. Nice. Nate? Uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody who reached out to me after the last episode. Um, I got some some good feedback. I got some uh, constructive criticism, we'll say. I got some uh, commiseration. So uh, I think it's the most people who have ever chatted me up after an episode was that last one. Um, apparently, I said something deep and profound about I the ITS season that made everyone go, oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, most of the feedback was, I didn't think about that, but now that you said it, I agree. Uh, so that was very, it was very cool to hear from that many people who, you know, agree with me and I love it when people agree with me. So, uh, <laughs> thanks to well, everybody nice. who does that. Uh, and yeah, I'd like to come join our discord. We yak about episodes. There's topics going on. Uh, you can tell me what I'm doing wrong or right or whatever. So. Uh, thanks to everybody who listens and thanks to everybody who reaches out. Yeah. I, I want to double up on that. We're grateful for our community. Um, that's the main reason why we do this. Hopefully you guys find our pot, the podcast helpful. That's the ultimate goal is just to help everybody increase their play. And we're looking forward to another year. So with that, uh, we're going to sign off on behalf of McKenna, uh, Metachemistry. This has been Andrew. Devin. Ian, Nate, and that's the meta.